It's Sunday, August 28, 2022. Welcome to the 28th episode in this series from Midas Touch and 5-Minute News called The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. Subscribe to the show as audio in addition to my daily 5-Minute News podcast on iTunes or wherever you get yours. Joining us today is creator and host of the Daily Beans podcast and founder of Moolah She Wrote Media, Dr. Alison Gill. Alison, welcome back. It's hey. uh, your your second appearance. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to it. We always have really, really great discussions, so I'm happy to be here. Well, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about, is there? <laughs> I mean, uh, this week has been kind of m- momentous in so many ways. Uh, on Friday, we'll start with the kind of big news, which was that on Friday, the Justice Department released uh, the redacted Mar-a-Lago search affidavit. So I want to look at that in some detail and try and make sense of it. Uh, I also want to talk about Joe Biden, who uh, this week, I think it was on Thursday, decried Republican loyalty to Donald Trump as semi-fascism. Uh, it's he's coined a, a new phrase, a little bit like ultra maga. It's like he's he's really good at making these really bad slogans. Yeah. So, but they do seem to catch on. So we'll 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 have a look at that. But first, let's just uh, go back to uh, West Palm Beach. The uh, affidavit, as released, um, is of course full of redactions, uh, thirty-eight pages in total. But it, it does reveal some interesting nuggets about the search, including that the DOJ and the FBI had probable cause to believe that evidence of obstruction would be found at Mar-a-Lago. And and this is the thing that I find most interesting. It's it's now rather than being an espionage charge, this sounds like it's the cover up that could be the crime, the obstruction of justice rather than espionage. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, the, the, the affidavit references, along with the warrant, um, 18 U.S. Code 7, 793, which is uh, falls under the Espionage Act. And, you know, that's punishable by a fine or up to 10 years in prison or both. But obstruction of justice in this case, 18 uh, U.S. Code 1519, carries a 20-year maximum sentence, and it's a very, very serious charge. And, the, you know, they say not only are we going down to get these national defense information, NDI documents, but also there is evidence, um, fruit of crimes for, for obstruction of justice uh, under that particular statute. So uh, I, I think... One of the most interesting things that I learned, because Anthony, <clears throat> I was asking, like, why did they remember back in June? They they called down and said, put a lock on that shed yeah. for us. I was like, are they trying to protect the documents with a padlock? Like, why are they telling them? But this affidavit makes clear they were telling him to preserve the evidence. Put a right. lock on there. Don't go in there. Don't touch the boxes. And and then I think after that, he went in and touched the boxes. So that's why we're looking at that 1519 charge. And and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff here, isn't there? I mean, yeah. the, you know, it wasn't just what he initially said he'd kind of given back. There was stuff he, that he hadn't given back. There was stuff intermingled with like his handwritten notes that was mixed up with with top secret documents. They I think uh, in total there was um Fifteen boxes taken to Mar-a-Lago indicated they contain newspapers, magazines, printed news articles, photos, miscellaneous printouts, notes, presidential correspondence, personal and post-presidential records, and a lot of classified records. I love the way they bolt that on the end. And a lot of classified records. Of most significant concern was that highly classified records were unfolded, intermixed with other records, and otherwise 
unproperly identified. I mean, isn't this the problem that Trump just doesn't understand what's at stake here? He doesn't have any respect for the fact that that national security is more important than he is. No, he he views these as his, um, and he's he's been um, sloppy with intelligence for his entire presidency, leaving lock bags on his desk unlocked. We've seen photos of that. We've seen him just give intelligence secrets to a couple of Russian ambassadors that were in the Oval Office about Israeli, I think, missile strikes or something like that, or locations. Um, we've seen him at Mar-a-Lago on the dining, you know, out in the dining area, letting people put their cell phones over classified documents about, I think, a strike on Syria while I think Xi Jinping was there. Like, it was just, it's at, he's just been completely running roughshod over any kind of care about, you know, these uh, national secrets. But, I mean, the fact that these were intermingled with just, like, you know, stuff, like, at the bottom of your mom's purse and unfolded and, uh, I mean, 184 classified documents, 67 confidential, 92 secret, 25 top secret. And then they define in this affidavit, this affidavit actually had a lot more uh, than I thought it would. I thought it would just be completely pretty much blacked out. Yeah, same. Uh, but HCS, FISA, <clears throat> ORCON, NOFORN, and SI information. And we can go through the definitions of all of those if you want. But that, it's it's frightening. It feels like my, like, the, I get the same feeling as if your house is robbed, you know. Um, he's, he's handwriting on, handwritten notes on these, on these classified documents. It's like, but this is, this is who he is. He drives his golf cart on the green, you know. This is who he is. This is how he ran his businesses, right? I mean, he's never made a success of any of these things. It's all just, you know, him choosing what happens. Anybody who questions him, it's like it's his way or the highway. And the problem with being the president or an ex-president is that, you know, there are rules. And, and maybe his lack of respect for the National Archives and the, and the very fabric of, you know, the constructs, the protocols involved in, in a White House and, and archiving a presidency, these things are just not on his mind. He doesn't operate at an enterprise level. No, he doesn't. He and he has kind of never understood that. I mean, that's evidenced in in the way he talks about veterans, for example, how he doesn't understand how somebody could serve a cause greater than themselves. Yeah. Um, it's it's just completely lost on him. He's completely self-absorbed. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's a malignant narcissist. That's just that's how he rolls, I guess. Uh, but it's it's extremely dangerous for our national security, as outlined in this affidavit. What is equally dangerous, in my opinion, is having the former president uh, criticize the FBI and the Justice Department and talk about them as if they're on a witch hunt and that this is, you know, this whole thing is is just out to stop him from winning the next election and that this is Joe Biden's hands all over this, basically projecting, you know, the way he ran his presidency, he's, he's now projecting onto Joe Biden, who has had nothing to do with any of this. Um, what is the kind of lasting damage that's being done as a result of all of this hysteria? He's been doing this for a long time. I remember um, just Joyce Vance did a piece in Time magazine about, you know, what happens when we when Donald Trump weaponizes the Justice Department and the Justice Department stops doing justice. And we were talking about the damage done 
through through him simply being in office and, and, and weaponizing the institutions like that. And he went after the intelligence communities hard. Uh, and and that kind of damage, she, she said it was like a reservoir, slow to fill, but one leak and it can empty out the faith in these institutions. And so refilling that reservoir is kind of where we're at right now because he's he's emptied any trust and faith uh, but not from not from a lot of us but from from a good chunk of Americans in our institutions and in our systems and that's what uh, I know we'll we'll get to talk about semi-fascists here in a minute but that's what fascists do they you know it's like the old Grover Norquist I want to shrink government down to the size where I can drown it in the bathtub that's their goal is to dismantle our institutions. And I believe, I think I have it around here somewhere. I usually have a copy within 10 feet of me at all times, On Tyranny by Timothy Schneider. Right. Number two in his book uh, is Defend Institutions. And so that's kind of what I feel like independent journalism has been sort of trying to do for at least, you know, five years now. It's interesting timing, isn't it? You know, we've heard about the new ownership at CNN and 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 Brian being fired, and and I even heard Anderson Cooper refer to uh, Ron DeSantis as a as a kind of rising star, and um, and and I really feel like independent journalism kind of is filling a, a void right now for stuff like this because. The misinformation that has been presented by Trump, I personally think that the worst of the fascism that we saw from him during those four years was the denigration of the free press mm-hmm. and to refer to them as the enemy of the people and, and as fake. I, I personally think that that is as bad as the Muslim ban or as rounding up people in unmarked vehicles in Portland and, and, and you know, disappearing them. I mean, this is this really is fascism on a on a very great level. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but but this all kind of comes back to when it comes to the Justice Department saying, "Look, you've broken the law." The law just he cannot comprehend how the law might apply to him. No, no, he again he thinks these are his. Uh, but there's a letter included. Uh, as an attachment to the to the affidavit from Evan Corcoran, which is a, a representative, a lawyer, legal representative of, of Donald Trump, who wrote the DOJ and said, look, the president can declassify whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And then he goes into to a, a statute, 18 U.S. Code 1924, which was mishandling of classified information. In fact, it was in 2018 that that became a felony. It used to be a misdemeanor, but Trump made it a felony. Um, but 1924, that statute was not listed on the warrant and it wasn't listed in the affidavit. And there's even a, a, a footnote in the affidavit explaining why it doesn't matter. These are classified and, you know, they, they lay out all the classifications in these documents, but that it doesn't matter. 793 Espionage Act doesn't require these documents to be classified. Breaking, violating the Presidential Records Act, violating 2071, uh, mishandling, you know, concealment, uh, 1519 doesn't require any of these things to be, to be classified. And so that's their argument. And it, and it's rooted in his belief that Everything he touches is his. It's it's weird and gross. <laughs> and if you know if you know anything about mental health, and you can can kind of get into the mind of Trump, which is actually quite easy. I mean, he's not a difficult person to analyze. Um, 
you can see that, yeah, I mean, I, I felt this when the when when COVID started, you know, his opinion was if he closed his eyes like this and didn't talk about it, then it would go away. And that and that basically was how he, you know, there was a whole period in 2020, I think it was February and early March, where he did nothing, because he was like, well, let's just not talk about that. And then it's kind of not happening. And that is the level of ego that, you know, humans can be dying and lying in on hospital trolleys in, in, in the corridor, and it just doesn't affect him because he can't see it. I want to talk about the Republican uh, response to what's been happening because uh, Mick Mulvaney, who's another one of these characters, you know, former chief of staff, didn't last very long in the White House, now is like a CNN pundit, which makes no sense to me. But anyway, he posted on Twitter this morning, he said, it appears this raid was, in fact, just about documents, as even some on the left have, have opined, it, uh, that is simply outrageous. Now, this is, uh, this is really um, something that is now spreading amongst the, the surrogates, the Trump surrogates, and I count Mulvaney as one of them, you know, the apologists, and that is, well, these are just documents. I mean, like, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't do anything. These are just documents. And so why is it that for the Trump apologists, the rule of law and anything that is top secret in this case or classified is is being presented as irrelevant in this kind of modern world where you can kind of do what you want and you can be a YouTube star and, you, you know, you could you, you've got a platform why is it that they just can't accept that the law of the land applies to them? Well, because they'll they'll lose power. Um, <clears throat> and that's their ultimate goal is to hang on to power. And, you know, they, they go forward with these bad faith arguments. First of all, I, Mick Mulvaney and I have issues because he is the one who posited that they could fire non-loyal, non-Trump loyal government, government employees by moving their jobs across the country. And they did that to me. Right. Um, so he and I are not, uh, we aren't friends, uh, but they know, and they rely on, on a, on a pretty, a pretty solid fact, a pretty, pretty reliable, f- their, their base is not going to read this affidavit. Their base is not going to check on what they're not going to trust, but verify. <laughs> they're not going to take they're just going to take Mulvaney's word for it. oh the affidavit must not have anything else in it besides just some documents which he could declassify so I don't need to read it uh, but if you take it took me what 15 minutes this morning to read this what's 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 available uh, in this affidavit to read it's obvious that this is about much much more and it says right in the first line this is also about obstruction William Barr, as you full well know, did a very similar thing, didn't he, in terms of, uh, you know, repositioning a document. We're talking about the, the Mueller report, which the morning that it was released, he got up on a, on a stage in front of television cameras and gave a completely false version of the, of the contents of the Mueller report, which basically said if Trump wasn't the president, he would be indicted. He did enough bad stuff uh, colluding with Russia that you know, he's, he is guilty, but I can't say that he's guilty because I'm Robert Mueller and, you know, I don't operate in that way because I'm very by the book and by the book says the president has a privilege and therefore he can't, he can't be uh, prosecuted. I mean, that, in, that's kind of in a nutshell. And of course, the entire Republican following believed Bill Barr's version of events and never bothered to read the Mueller report. You did. Mm-hmm. 
And this week, uh, it's been, you know, there's been a, a ongoing investigations and it's been confirmed that what William Barr did was, uh, you know, again, exactly as you said and is exactly as we all thought, that, that they, he rewrote history to protect his friend. Yeah, yeah. And we found that out through a, a memo uh, coming out because the Citizens for Responsibility Ethics in Washington filed a lawsuit to get this memo through a FOIA request that was denied initially. Uh, and the, you know, the the obfuscation of, of what happened with with the Mueller report, and and there are similarities with this affidavit too, because the one, number one reason Mueller couldn't say that Trump obstructed justice was a, a, a constitutional consideration. He he couldn't indict him because of that Office of Legal Counsel memo, and you can't accuse someone of a crime without charging them, because then they won't have the right to face their accuser. And that was sort of what was going on with reason number five that the DOJ didn't want to release this affidavit was to protect Donald Trump's constitutional rights. Um, we don't like to say or in, in, insinuate that you're guilty of a crime uh, because, first of all, you're presumed innocent. And, and second of all, we haven't charged you. So you have no you can't face your accuser in court, which is your constitutional right. So I think uh, it's I, I saw a lot of shadows uh, uh, and echoes of, of that Barr memo and what, what Barr did to, to the Mueller report with Trump trying to get this affidavit. And I mean, I know they're very different uh, because. <laughs> well, know. it's all it's all obstruction, isn't it? And it's all deception and it's all corruption. Mm-hmm. And really, that is the uh, that is kind of the the. Um, the thinking of all of the people that Trump surrounded himself with, you know, they, they were all the, a certain character. And the character is that you operate in a kind of very criminal way by by default. Like, that's all you know. You get to the top by cheating, uh, whether it's cheating in elections or whether it's changing a story or whether it's lying for a friend or covering up. I mean, this and and that type of behavior is kind of exclusive to republicans in a way i mean i don't want to tar everybody with the same brush but i recognize that that democratic corruption which of course exists in some ways you know there's plenty of uh, gerrymandering that's gone on you know amongst the democrats and that type of thing but there is a very different level of of political corruption that exists with Democrats. And I'm really interested in how Republicans are processing this news and this search. The search was weaponized. It was called a raid. Of course, it wasn't a raid. It was a very quietly done, respectful search in a time when Trump wasn't even in residence. But I mean, just the translation of this stuff to Republicans is has caused utter, utter hysteria to the point that, you know, some people are saying is this is going to create a, a civil war, you know, because these people are armed. Yeah, and, and we've seen sort of the, the some of the fruits of that uh, rage, right? We saw the attack on the Cincinnati FBI yeah. field office, one guy. We saw another guy crash his car into the into the traffic stops that are in front of the Capitol building, which caught on fire, and then he fired some shots in the air and then um, committed, uh, he uh, took his own life. And then, you know, so these pop up sort of lone wolves. Right. Um, but I mean, if you're if you're going to go up against the FBI or the United States military, you should probably think about that before you do it. But they also have I, I've noticed that they try to downplay some of the more serious crimes as just process crimes like right. 
like obstruction of justice. And and they did it not just for this, you know, that's that that obstruction of justice is the biggest charge on that. It's it's bigger than espionage. Um because it's it goes to the root, the fundamental root of justice. Uh, when you obstruct justice, um, it, it cuts at the heart of the. And institution. similar to Nixon, though, isn't it? There's a similarity with Watergate, right? It's the it's the covering up of the crime that is actually the thing that gets you, rather than the crime itself. Yeah, and and one of the two crimes that Judge Carter said that she believes uh, more likely than not, John Eastman and Donald Trump committed. Uh, is 1512 C2, which is obstructing an official proceeding. It's also obstruction. And and I, I, they downplay these crimes like, oh, these are just process crimes, like Flynn lying to the FBI, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But these, these are the foundations, the pillars of, of our justice system. But isn't that what Steve Bannon and, and that crowd always wanted to do from the very beginning, was to break down these protocols and the and the uh, the very construction of the the American experiment you know that, that they wanted to throw it all out of the window and to cause chaos that was their dream whether it be in elections or whether it be in just ignoring things like the protocols required for for classified materials yeah well it's it's really the the Pentagon and the intelligence community and the Department of Justice that stand between democracy and fascism uh, and so that's those are the biggest hurdles that that have to be dismantled that, you know, they're working on the press, as you said, that's another one um, uh, to to be able to to, you know, install yourself as a leader for 26 years like Putin has done. Right. Uh, that's just and which Trump said, you know, he joked about wanting to be the president forever. But, you, you he know, he wasn't joking. joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's look at some of the excuses that Republicans have used in light of this search of Mar-a-Lago. They've said, well, what about Hillary Clinton's emails? Let's just clear that one up, shall we? Well, sure. Um, they never executed a search warrant on Hillary Clinton because she handed everything over voluntarily. Next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what about Hunter Biden's laptop? I mean, uh, why wasn't that investigated? It is being investigated, and it was investigated. There's actually a, a, an appointed person that has been for four years investigating Hunter, just Hunter Biden. They, was, they were appointed by Barr. I don't know why people don't know that that's – they just haven't found anything, much like Durham and his investigation into the Trump-Russia investigation. Also, Hunter Biden is not in the government, right? In, no, in, he doesn't in, work for the government, and he's, he can he's have not, a laptop with porn on it if he wants. I, yeah, I, he's I don't not a, he's understand not a why public that matters. Servant. Well, but it's just being used all the time, and this is the thing. You know, it's like we've never mentioned it on this program, and it's you know Hunter Biden's laptop, or even Hunter Biden as an individual, who I'm not a huge fan of. You know, even like he's doing his art thing in California now, trying to sell terrible art for over crazy money i mean it's like this this guy's schemes are relentless but it doesn't change the fact and famously there was that line from joe biden when he said i hope you know what you're doing do you remember when when he took that job with barisma mm. and uh famously his dad was like well you know if that's what you want to do but i hope you know what you're doing mm -hmm. um you know all of this the only reason i'm bringing this to the table is because these are the conversations that are being had at Republican dinner tables. You know, they, they are denying what's happening at Mar-a-Lago and just presenting alternatives which they think are just as bad. Well, the Republicans paid 
for Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean, if you think about it, donor donations go into Trump PACs. Trump PACs pay Rudy Giuliani. Rudy yeah. Giuliani play, pays fraud guarantee and Dmitry Firtash and Igor Fruman and Lev Parnas to, mm. to cook up some fake emails along with some real emails to make yeah. it look genuine, stick it on a laptop, take it to a Delaware shop where his friend works and then discover it. So the, the Republicans paid for the Hunter Biden laptop. They should, you know, they should get their use out of it, I suppose. Yeah. Those uh, interesting characters. I am a big fan of those three. Lev Parnas particularly, because he, to me, he just looks like a baddie. <laughs> and the fact that he was photographed at every Trump event doing this, mm. knowing full well that at one point, at some point, he was going to present all of these images and use them in his defense. Uh, I've always thought very interesting. He he got done eventually, didn't he? I think he's now uh, he's now in behind bars. Um, but. Uh, Let's uh, kind of focus a little bit about the um, national security element to this uh, search, because there was a very interesting uh, piece that literally has just dropped uh, a few days ago that um, is a a story about um, a year before the FBI search of Trump's estate, uh, a woman... A Ukrainian woman, a Russian-speaking immigrant, made several trips into the estate posing as a member of the famous Rothschild family while making inroads with key supporters of Donald Trump. Her name was Inna Yashininj. And um, this story just literally just broke. It's been under investigation for a long time. It's kind of fascinating. I've been thinking a lot about how secure Mar-a-Lago is. And the types of people that can get in there. Now, we know full well that he held these dinners. You know, you can pay to have dinner with the president and you get access to the president's family. And there's been all of these photos. You can even go on Yelp and look under Mar-a-Lago as a review. I've done this. It's kind of fun. And just have a look at all of the photographs that are being posted on Yelp. Innocent people reviewing the dinner. And and where, like, Donald Trump's in the background. I mean, access to the president. And, you know, this whole thing is a, is a grift. We know that. He's making money out of all of these things. But from a national security perspective, to have documents that were strewn all over Mar-a-Lago, they weren't just in one place. Some are saying that he actually purposely put them in different places so he could claim that the search would be too far-reaching. And that, and you know, use that in in his defence. You know, they took my passports, which of course apparently they didn't now do. Um, what does this say about you know Mar-a-Lago as a place um, in terms of you know the Secret Service and how it's protected and Trump's private security and who's in on this and who is really has the national security at. Uh, you know, who who cares more for national security than Trump's security? Are they protecting him or are they protecting national secrets? Well, they shouldn't be protecting either, in my, in my opinion. But um, there, it, when it comes to classified confidential documents, top secret SCI documents, uh, especially the the compartmented information, there's two kinds of of places: secure and not, <laughs> and. It is not secure at Mar-a-Lago. And with all the employees in and out, I mean, you remember the story, not just the Rothschild um, story, but the story from, uh, I believe it was like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, where they found an agent uh, from China in there. And she had had like $8,000 and thumb drives and all this equipment and like spy gear. 
Um, it is, and, and with his kind of, I guess, slapdash idea of what secure is, uh, putting a master lock on a, on a, and a camera in the hallway, um, does not a skiff make, um, but that there, there are people we have to assume. And now, I mean, we have evidence that are trying to infiltrate Mar-a-Lago and, that he it makes sense that he would like sprinkle these things around to say it's too broad you you went into my bedroom and you know i'm surprised he didn't hide them in guest rooms because so you know because they weren't gonna go into uh those, those well, there was a whole there was a whole hoo-ha about going into melania's wardrobe and going through her clothes i mean that would be the first place trump would hide national secrets wouldn't it <laughs> yeah or um and there's some out there theories too and and some of them aren't as far-fetched as you know back do you remember back when uh when the russia story was coming out everybody thought we were crazy for insinuating that the trump campaign had had at all had any contact or coordination with the russian government and now so now like when i whenever i have a theory i'm like that's too far-fetched i'm like maybe it's not um because right right in between the time uh, that the the DOJ called down and said, lock that room, don't touch anything. And the, between that time and the search on August 8th uh, was Ivana's funeral. And so I, you know, I just, I have questions about the, the heaviness of that 10 pallbearers on a, for, for cremains and uh, buried on, Mar- on the golf course. It's just weird. Um, and he's getting a tax break for it, too. But uh. all, all of our instinct and, you know, instinct is a very valuable human trait, right? It's something that we need to learn to trust because there's nothing worse than looking back on a situation going, I knew that guy was bad news or <laughs> whatever our instinct might be. And, you know, my, my instinct for him before he even won the election, I, I knew what kind of guy we were dealing with. I'm sure you did. A lot of people did. But there were others who were prepared to just think, do you remember that phrase that was going around where people were like, well, the the kind of monumental responsibility of the presidency might change him, might might make him behave differently. Yeah, we were you know? waiting for them. Today, he became president, right? We were That's right. waiting for that moment. Meanwhile, in his inauguration, he made a speech that sounded like a like a kind of Hitler speech. You know, it was it was devastating. And, and we saw the faces of, of former presidents and their wives behind just, you know, just absolutely. And even, you know, George Bush was just like devastated because they knew that the genie was out of the bottle. And I, I fear that you know, people who have this instinct and and get what's happening tend to be people that are voting Democrat. And the people that are in the cult of Trump will not accept this, even to the point when he's in a j- orange jumpsuit being taken to Guantanamo Bay, you know, by, by the arm. They will still be like, yeah, but he's innocent and it's Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's what a cult does. Right. right. That's that you can never question the leader, um, even, <clears throat> you know, even as uh, Jeffers was being hauled off in handcuffs, there were people saying, no, where are you taking our leader? Uh, you know, it's. But what does America look like if that was to happen? You know, this is my, my fear, because he he's he's stoking so much rage and he's. 
I mean, even the people that could follow on, if you listen to the language of Ron DeSantis, you know, or even watch the video that he's put out of him, like dressed as Tom Cruise, saying he's going to take on the, the corporate elite when, you know, he's supposedly a conservative, supposed to protect the corporate elite, and he's starting fights with them. I mean, America does not, the landscape of America does not look great if Trump is, if gets away with this, or if he is indicted. Uh, it's much worse, I think, if he gets away with it, uh, because yeah. it signals to future like Ron DeSantis's and Josh Howley's and Lauren Boebert's that you will be held accountable. There are laws in this nation. No one is above them. That is a, a more important message to send, I think. Uh, and, and I know that and, and a lot of people don't really take people's words seriously anymore because of what Donald Trump has done to them. Uh, but Merrick Garland has said over and over again, without fear or favor, we will follow the facts and the law. And he, he mulled this search warrant over for a couple of weeks um, because he understood the gravity of searching an F, an F POTUS, which is great. They, they refer to him as the F POTUS in, uh, in these documents, former president of the United States, which I love. Um, he, underst he understands the gravity of that, but he, I don't think he's going to make – I am confident he is not going to make a decision based on how the 19 percent rabid Trump, you know, MAGA people will react. And I think we're seeing a, a difference here. The only reason I think we've seen like one or two, you know, um, incidents here and there, and we, we, only, we only see like 12 people with giant flags out front of, of Mar-a-Lago – is because the 850 or so people that have been arrested um, and indicted and that now are some are now when one of them's facing a 17 and a half year prison sentence, um, all, you know, I think people are starting to kind of get the message that it's probably not the best idea to try to overthrow stuff, <laughs> it's, you know, or, or be violent uh, in that way. Um, and so I, I, I think he'll make... I'm hoping he'll make the right decision. I'm thrilled that this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's online therapy that will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. I've done it. It really works. You meet some very, very interesting and skilled people who can help you talk, communicate and share your darkest secrets or maybe just working your way through life working your way through your day, making life a little bit easier for you. It's not a crisis line. It's professional therapy done securely, available to people worldwide. You can schedule your weekly video or phone session so you don't even have to be on camera if you don't want to. Getting therapy every week is as easy as a few clicks on your laptop or phone. And we have a special offer for you as a viewer or listener to The Weekend Show. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Weekend show. That's ten percent off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com/slash/weekend show. In fiery remarks on Thursday night that uh, set out a combative platform for Democrats ahead of the midterm elections, Joe Biden decried Republican loyalty to Donald Trump's political brand as semi-fascism. The uh, U.S. president delivered a speech in Maryland calling out Trump as a threat to U.S. democracy, decrying his penchant for embracing political violence and stoking anger. Uh, Dr. Alison Gill, what is 
semi-fascism? I don't know. I've never heard of this. I, I mean, because it's either like you're fascist or you're not. It's like you're semi-pregnant, right? You, <laughs> it's it's one of the two. Uh, but I, I have to tell you, um, well, first of all, we know from recent polling that threats to democracy are now on voters' minds more than the economy, for example, or inflation, uh, or a row even uh, is what uh, is what the poll shows. And I was frankly pretty surprised that the current president of the United States referred to supporters of the former president of the United States with the word fascism at all, semi or partly or kind of or pseudo or whatever you put in front of it. I didn't think I would hear the word fascism come out of his of his mouth, frankly. And we've all been, as independent journalists, trying to call it what it is, which is fascism um, and fascist creep and you know autocracy. Uh, so I was actually quite shocked to hear Joe drop the f bomb. Is what 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 I'm calling it. I, I saw that in your tweet, and I, I was very pleased because I also refer to it as the f word that nobody in America really wants to say. It's almost like admitting that the 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 institution has failed in some way. But but you know, Republicans would argue that Biden is the fascist, and they would say that you know trying to um, make children learn about trans issues in school is fascist, or you know giving money in the case of you know uh, the the student debt story from um, Thursday. You know that, that that's kind of a fascist move because you're giving money from taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor. I mean, they 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 can skew the fashion a uh, fascism argument to suit them as well. But they don't. That's because they don't understand what fascism is. Right. Right. So that's that's a it's called reflexive control. I learned this from Asha Rangappa, uh, FBI agent, Yale um, educated lawyer where they will take a word and change its meaning so that it, it's powerless to you. So that when we do call out fascism, uh, that might be why Biden was allowed to say the F word, was because it's it's become cheapened by those on the right that would want us to think that it's something that it's not. Well, they did the same with socialism, didn't they? And communism. They did. They did. Yep. Do you think Bi- Biden plans to say semi-fascism or fascism at all? Do you think that that was something he'd thought about? Because it looked like it was off the cuff. But we know from, I mean, he did a sit-down interview with Barack Obama very early on in the presidency. It might have even been before the inauguration, where he talked about Trump as a fascist and the and the and the kind of fascist behavior that we'd seen in the previous four years and. And, you know, so that was actually the most open I've really seen him. And he's always kind of always in a great mood when he's around Obama. I think we probably all would be. But um, to to bring it to bring it, bring the word fascism to the table, you know, this late in his, um, you know, or this close to the midterms is kind of risky, isn't it? Uh, I, yeah, but I think it suits him. Um, th- he did the same thing when he gave the speech in uh, Poland uh, about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He, he made some off-the-cuff remarks there, too, because he, I think he planned to do it, but he couldn't plan plan to do it. His handlers yeah. wouldn't let him say fascism, but he wants to. And so I think he, I think he does. I think he has a, a, a good gut for that. And when I call him, I call this the no malarkey's given uh, Biden. Um, when he's 
the dark Brandon, if you will, when he's unleashed, he's really great. He's good. Yeah. We saw the the official White House Twitter uh, calling out uh, the pe- the Republicans, people on the right, uh, decrying the student loan forgiveness yeah. one at a time by pointing out the PPP loans that were forgiven. Right. And I'm Marjorie like, Taylor Greene, yeah. And Matt Gates, and yeah. uh, they did it to a whole bunch of uh, of them. And I was like, Who got is, hold of the Twitter phone? This is the that. White House that I love. This is the Joe yeah. Biden that that I you know I'm excited to see. I feel like this momentum is building, and I think he's sort of riding that wave uh, when he when he calls them semi-fascists. I wish he would just call them fascists, but uh, you know people are going to complain either way that he shouldn't have said it because it was too far or it didn't go far enough. Um, and that's always going to be the way, but much like the student debt thing, right? But I mean, if it's true, and it is true, because you know that there are many descriptions of, of fascism, and, and certainly the way in which Trump is fundraising off the back of the search of Mar-a-Lago, you know, this abuse of power. He's actually grifting and fleecing all of his supporters, and they think that he cares about them. You know, and, and it's the poorest people often that are putting their hands in their pockets and sending money. I mean, we've seen anyone who's signed up to Trump's text messaging or email, you know, campaign stuff. You'll see there was one from Donald Trump Jr. saying, you know, my father thinks you're great and you are now a great MAGA, and all you have to do is send 50 bucks or whatever it was, you know. And the other thing about not announcing his run or his candidacy for presidency is that he is allowed to fundraise at this point. He is allowed to take all of this money and make use of it because it doesn't fall under campaign finance law until he admits or certainly confirms that he's a candidate. Yeah, he has to declare for for. And I think that's that's sort of the great like decision of of this this fine line that he's walking he's like yeah i want to declare so badly to get these off these guys off my back it's not going to get the doj off his back to declare for the presidency by the way um but he he feels like it would offer some sort of protection or give him make it so he can say that it's political which he's going to do anyway uh it's political whether he's declared or not i I mean it's it's political he's a former president of the united states he's the leader he's the head of the republican party for all intents and purposes uh, as much as many Republicans wish that weren't the case, <laughs> uh, it's true. And so, including Mitch McConnell, probably yeah, because you know McConnell. he was he was calling for McConnell to to be to be fired just yeah. a couple of days ago. Yep, let him fight. Uh, you know, but then but then the news media says the Democrats are in disarray because we couldn't decide on how much money to spend on uh, health care and climate plan, um, which eventually we did. But beside the point. So you've got he's walking the line between that. And not filing because he can continue to use this money uh, any which way he wants. Uh, I mean, provided he's not using it illegally to bribe people, which is, could probably happen. Uh, but we'll have he, to put, he'll have to use it for legal fees at some point. I mean, it's it's very interesting the yes. the gallery of curios of people that are now representing him. Right, there uh, um, a lot of uh, female lawyers. One was a former uh, AON News anchor. Um, another was a lawyer at a what was it, a, a, a car company or something? Parking I garage. Mean, parking garage, right. I mean, is it that he, like, no one is prepared to take him as a, as a client because they know they're going to lose? Not only that, he's a horrible client. Uh, he, he just does and says things that, uh, and let's look at the cadre of previous lawyers. Uh, Michael Cohen, Rudy Giuliani, 
the, you know, he, Rudy Giuliani's gotten a target letter for being targeted for indictment. Cohen went to prison for three years. You know, it just uh, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, all of the, all of the, that whole crew in that Michigan lawsuit mm. are now facing, facing sanctions and disbarment. It's, it's not a, th- and, and then of course these big white shoe law firms don't want to be associated with, with the Donald Trump name. And so he's been getting a lot of no's mainly for that, for that reason. He's just a dangerous, dangerous client. And you put yourself in legal jeopardy by representing him uh, and you tarnish your name and reputation. But also, I mean, he, you know, the, the other thing is, is that he doesn't pay his bills. So a lot of lawyers are like, nah, it's cool. What about this guy in Atlanta that is just this criminal defense lawyer who, you know, normally defends rappers, apparently, is taking on the uh, Georgia case, uh, the uh, election fraud case there. Uh, that was said the other day. And, and this guy, to all intents and purposes, is a, is a Democrat and is going to be defending Trump. I guess no press is bad press. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know. Hey, everyone has a right to a rigorous defense, but he's having a – it's hard to find. Just like we we learned in the the lead up to the January 6th attack on the Capitol, we learned that he had to find lawyers that would tell him what he wanted to hear and then he would lock lawyers out of the room – who would oppose what he wanted to do. And now all those lawyers he locked out of the room are, are testifying uh, before yeah. multiple grands jury. Uh, well, all of, the, all, of the, all of the testimony that we're hearing invariably is coming from Republicans, isn't it? All, everything in the January 6th investigation, it's all mainly been people that were on Trump's team and wanted Trump to win. They're all the ones now spilling the beans. Um, it, it's, it's not like they can say, oh, well, you Democrats are just making stuff up about us. The Democrats haven't said anything. Yeah. And, and one of the great footnotes in a, one of the judge's decisions, those 11 fraudulent electors in Georgia filed a motion to, to kick Fannie, Fannie Willis off of their case because she's a Democrat and they're Republicans. And so she has political bias. And the judge not only said no, but he said, I, I find it the undersign finds it, uh, all, I mean, almost laughable that you would complain that it seems like they're only going after Republicans in an investigation about Republican interference in the 2020 election. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he puts that right in a footnote. He's like, it is beyond the understanding of the undersigned, which is, you know, the judge, uh, why you would complain that, that only Republicans are being targeted in an investigation about Republicans. And there's a huge lawsuit now from the uh, Dominion voting machine people, right? It's kind of you know, it turns out that some of these voting machines were actually taken apart by Republican operatives and, and hard drives were copied. And I mean, the very thing that Republicans were accusing Democrats of doing, they were doing themselves. And and this all of this evidence, it's almost like everything that's ever been done and said in the last few years is all presenting a very dark case for Donald Trump and, and his people. I, I just want to finish on a positive note because um, Joe Biden, it seems only a few weeks ago I was feeling a bit frustrated that he wasn't really like getting on with anything. Um, maybe you felt the same. And then all of a sudden this kind of tornado of, of Biden action happened. And, you know, the, there was this gun legislation was passed and and before you know it, social care and climate was done, and Chips now and student loans. 
yeah, and student loans and right. yeah. I mean, what's what's going on with him? Is it? I mean, did he get some Adderall from Donald Trump or something? I mean, <laughs> what's given him this new lease of life, and is it going to be enough to to turn the polls? I have been tweeting for about a year and a half now that he would forgive student debt. Uh, but he's not going to do it until it's politically advantageous. Uh, and so what has given this administration new life? The midterm elections are approaching. Right. And I was hoping, I was hoping, you know, in going into spring, like, it's really slow. Everybody's very frustrated. But I know that they don't like to release the good stuff until the end of the summer, early fall, because voters have short memories. Nobody remembers that we spent $2 trillion, I think, on infrastructure uh, in a bipartisan bill um, a couple of years ago. That's all way, that's gone out of everyone's mind. So they had to get a new thing done and, and they have to do it close to the election while it's still fresh in everyone's mind. Well, it's a, it's, I think it's a good place to be. And I, I, I just think it's sad that Republicans cannot see any of this stuff that will all benefit them as benefiting them. It's this, you know, it's it's so partisan now that, that, that even a bipartisan bill is looked upon as being, you know, from the other team. And so, you know, we I think Biden's messaging going forward needs to recognize that the people that will benefit directly are even the people that don't vote for him. Yeah. And the, the only thing we can do is to give them benefits um, yeah. because there are going to be people who open up their student loan website, um, whatever, whatever, whichever one they're on, and see that their balance has been cut in half or completely eradicated, and will they can be nothing but happy about that. Well, the, the evidence is is clear, isn't it? It's, it's almost like the evidence for for climate change is also clear. You know, there's birds falling out of the sky, there, there's massive flooding. You know, their their homes are being torn apart, and yet they're still like, no, actually, I'm just going to keep praying to God that you know I'm going to be okay, and and, and keep denying the right. the reality. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Alison Gill. Appreciate you, and uh, yeah. hopefully we'll check in with each other again sometime yeah. in the future. And uh, good, good luck with uh, Muller, she wrote, and everything else that's uh, happening in your world. Thank you very much. And thanks for the work you're doing. I really, uh, it's, it's very important. Thanks, Anthony. Don't forget to subscribe to The Weekend Show on YouTube or as an audio podcast and also the 5-Minute News daily podcast. That's me telling you the news just in five minutes every morning. You can listen while you make your coffee and leave an iTunes review. I'm Anthony Davis. Join me next week with a brand new special guest and three more factual news stories to discuss on the 5-Minute News Weekend Show with Midas Touch. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.